Well, good morning and welcome, everyone. I am your host, James Orr, and this is a really important class. This is a, a class for the servingrealestateinvestors.com podcast, Substack, webinars, whatever we're doing here. Um, but this is actually a really important class, especially for those folks that are in real estate markets where cash flow is difficult, or you have investor clients who want to put small amounts down and cash flow is therefore difficult because if they put, you know, hundred percent down, then cash flow would probably not be difficult. They put 50% down in most markets, cash flow would not be difficult, but it's when folks want to put less down that we end up seeing cash flow being challenging. So this class is called return quadrants. Cash flow isn't everything. And while I'm not going to teach the whole class on the return quadrants and exactly how that works, um, you should go watch my classes where I teach that to real estate investors to see exactly how I go into detail. I want to give you the framework and help you understand why this thing exists and why you should teach stuff based on this sort of framework. Okay. So return quadrants, cash flow isn't everything. So when you think about buying an investment property, or your clients are buying an investment property, you should realize that there are more than one return you're earning when you buy the property. For example, when you buy a property, the property tends to go up in value over time, what we call appreciation. Appreciation is the tendency for, for properties to increase in value over time. And it's usually due to partially inflation, although there are other factors involved as well in many other markets. So sometimes it is in excess of inflation. But I digress. I'm going to try to stay focused today, keep this relatively short. So uh, one of the areas of return is the tendency for property values to increase in value. You know, pr property appreciation. Capital gains is another way of thinking about this, right? Like the property value goes up in time. And so when you think about somebody buying an investment property, you want to talk to them about, hey, look, you know, while it's definitely possible property values can go up or they can go down in any given year, the trend historically has been that property values tend to increase over time. And so the return you're earning from the property value going up is called appreciation. And it is one of the returns you get by owning rental properties. The other one that most people are, are familiar with is this idea of cash flow. And most investors, most of your investor clients are going to be obsessed with this particular part of the return quadrants, the cash flow quadrants of the return quadrants. Okay. So they will tend to be really focused in on making sure that when they're buying properties that they have positive cash flow. And part of what you want to discuss with your investors is, look, we could definitely focus in on cash flow. There's lots of things we could do to improve what you're earning in cash flow. But realize that the overall return you're earning on the property can be, depending on how you're approaching your goals, can be even, even as important or even more important than just the cash flow portion. I'll give you an example. Imagine for a minute that you have someone focused in on cash flow on properties and they're trying to achieve financial independence. They want to be able to stop working their job and live off of their investments. Well, in order to get to the point where you have enough cash flow coming in for the properties, what you tend to either need to do is you either need to buy properties and put large amounts down so that you have good enough cash flow and or wait for your properties after you've bought them to improve their cash flow by having rent creep up and having your expenses remain fixed or having some of your expenses go away, like when you pay off the loan. So in order to achieve that, you either need to invest a lot of money and or wait for your portfolio to increase 
um, their rents in order to have the cash flow be able to support it. So if you're buying properties and they've only got like, you know, $100 a month or $200 a month in cash flow, and they need to kind of replace $10,000 worth of personal expenses, it takes a lot of $100 or $200 a month properties in order to um, get to the point where you have enough $10,000 coming in. In fact, I'm going to whip out my calculator and just tell you what that number is. Um, so let's say it's even $200 a month, $10,000 divided by $200 a month. So they would need to have 50 properties, which is not realistic for most folks to acquire 50 properties over time. Okay. So you wait long enough, you know, the next year cash flow goes up to $250 a month. And the year after that, maybe goes up to $300 a month. And the year after that, maybe it goes to $350. Eventually you need fewer and fewer properties, but that's what I mean by you need to take the time in order to do it. So other thing to realize though is, you know, just because the property is only making $200 a month, you know, $2,400 a year, doesn't mean that that's the only return you're earning on the property. If the property was a, um, you know, let's call it a $300,000 property and it went up 3% in value each year, you know, a 3% appreciation rate, which seems really reasonable, you know, that's $9,000. So you only earn $2,400 from your cash flow, but you earn $9,000 from the property going up in value. And so, one of the things to help your clients understand is, look, you buy this investment property and cash flow isn't the only return you're earning. And if you're just thinking about how many properties I need in order to be financially independent with cash flow, they can get frustrated by thinking, well, I'm going to need 50 properties. And so part of it is talking to them about how it takes time to build up and walking them through this in, in class format, you know, usually not in just regular conversations because you really need time to make your case and show them the math on how this all works. But if you think about that, they're getting, you know, I'm just going to round up, you know, it was $9,000. Let's call it 10K. So they're getting 10K in appreciation per year because the next year it's probably going to be closer to 10K anyway. Because now it's 310 property and you get a little bit more and it kind of keeps compounding. But you're thinking about earning $10,000 per year in appreciation. You can hold that property for a few years, then let the equity in it build up from appreciation and paying down the loan, which we'll get to here in a second. And then you could take that money and you could use it to, pay off other properties or use it to sell and then re-leverage up and acquire more properties and do multiple strategies like that in order to get there. So it's not just cash flow. This is, you know, you know, cash flow isn't everything. There are other things going on here besides cash flow on a property. So appreciation is one of the areas. Cash flow is another area. The amount that you pay down on the loan, if you have an amortizing loan, if you got a 30-year loan, that loan pays off over 30 years. You get a 15-year loan, that loan pays off over 15 years. So a certain amount of the monthly payment you're making toward the mortgage in, if with a 30-year or 15-year loan actually pays off on the mortgage. And so the amount that you paid off on the loan over the course of that year is what we count as your return from debt pay down. So we count appreciation. We count how much you're paying down the loan in that year. We count the cash flow. And then there are tax benefits of owning rental properties as well. Usually what we're talking about here is depreciation. So when you buy a rental property, you can depreciate the building, not the cost of the land. So you can depreciate the building over usually for residential property, 27 and a half years. So the really, really rough rule of thumb, do not ever like use this to do any like official calculations. But if you're out with a client in the field and you're looking at properties and you want to estimate in your head what appreciation I'm sorry, what tax benefits are, the really, really rough rule of thumb is 3% of the property value is about what you can um, expect in gross depreciation. So if you're buying a $300,000 property, you multiply it by 3%, that's $9,000. So that's the amount of gross depreciation that they would earn on the property. You take that number and you multiply it by what their estimated 
tax rate is, and that's about how much in cash flow they would earn or cash back uh, by not having to pay that amount in taxes. These are like really rough rule of thumb things. So, you know, all real estate agents know how to multiply by 3%. So when you're out in the field, just multiply the property value by 3% and it gives you an estimate of what gross depreciation is. Multiply that by the tax rate, you can get an estimate of this. So when we look at this, we're talking about appreciation, cash flow, debt pay down, and the tax benefits. Those are the four primary areas of return that we have when we look at rental properties. And because it would be imprudent for your real estate investors to go buy rental properties and to not set aside reserves. And most lenders are gonna require that they have a certain amount in reserves anyway. So they really, it is a necessity that they have reserves to do it. We also look at the return you're earning on the reserves as part of the overall return you're getting by making this property investment, okay? And so you could put in here the number that they earn from reserves. Let's say they've got in a savings account, they're earning 1%, or let's say they've got in the stock market and they're earning 8%. You put in whatever that number is as well, and you get these four areas. These ones are from the property, and then this bottom one is from reserves. Now, I created this visual framework, which I've trademarked, uh, for the return quadrants. And the reason why I did it is it's really easy for people to be able to see where the returns are coming from and what the overall return is. Oh, and by the way, the total in the middle is the sum of all of these five. Okay, so it just kind of tells you the sum. So when I do this, I actually use this as a visual framework to help people understand that, yeah, we're looking at cash flow, but there are other reasons to buy rental properties, appreciation, debt pay down, tax benefits. And then of course the reserves is sort of a byproduct of what you need in order to prudently buy investment properties. Okay, so you've got all these areas of return that we're talking about, and we look at them. I will also point out, you should really go watch the class where I teach this in full and detail. But what I also want to point out is that the, 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 uh, the, the visual graphic here, the, the quadrants are set up in a very specific way, okay? And this is why I trademarked it, and there's a lot of like stuff that goes into this. So the area on top, appreciation and cash flow, those are the more speculative. We're kind of like, we're, we're, we're insisting on the market. We're relying on the market in order to perform, in order to earn those returns. So the property values going up, that's really a function of the market. And while you can do some things to use like forced appreciation, like buying a you know fixer upper and putting in manual labor in order to raise the value of the property, most of the time we're relying on what I refer to as organic appreciation, the property value to go up just because a rising tide lifts all ships and really the, the overall market and in inflation is what causes you know, property values to sort of increase. You know, it would cost more to rebuild that property because materials cost more and labor costs more and so on. That's sort of the way to think about that. So these two top ones though, and cash flow, you know, rents are market dependent as well. We're relying on the market to actually increase rents over time or to keep rents where they are. We're requiring it to, to perform. So these are more speculative in nature. They're less certain. The two on the bottom, debt pay down and tax benefits, they are more certain. They are less speculative. You know, the debt pay down return you earn, it's a contractual agreement you have with the lender. If you pay the loan as agreed, or, you know, the monthly payment you're supposed to make each month, whatever you're supposed to do, that return is almost, I'm going to use this in quotes because nothing in life is guaranteed, but I'm almost going to say that's like a guaranteed return. If you make the payments, you get that return. It doesn't matter what the market does. Market can go up or down. You're still getting the return from debt pay down. Similarly, the tax benefits, unless the tax code changes and they retroactively pull that away from you, 
If you buy this rental property, you get that return. It doesn't matter what the market does. It doesn't matter what rents do. It doesn't matter what appreciation does. You get those tax benefits by owning those. And so these are less speculative, more certain returns on the bottom. Okay. So top and bottom are different. Left and right are different. So appreciation and debt pay down, those are returns that are more like cash later. You don't get to collect those returns each month. Appreciation, you know, the property value going up is great, but really, can you spend equity? Not unless you do a cash out refinance or you sell the property. So in order to access the equity built up in the property, which is what this is adding to, the property value going up and you're paying down the loan, the difference between those two, you know, in really simple terms is your equity in the property. That's growing. That's cash later. So this is like deferred returns. It's money you're not getting right away. However, on the right side of the quadrants, cash flow and tax benefits, you get those now. You get the cash flow on the property either monthly or yearly or quarterly, however you decide to collect cash flow with your, your, when you collect payments from your tenants. And the tax benefits, you can go and either get it at the end of the year when you file your tax return, or you could go into work and you could have them adjust your exemptions on your actual paycheck because you know that at the end of the year, you're going to get this tax rebate, basically your depreciation uh, adjustment to your tax return. And you know that you're actually going to not have to pay as much in taxes. So you can go in and safely adjust your exemptions at your job at work, talk to your CPA to make sure they're doing this right. You can go adjust that and actually see it in the monthly paycheck from your job because you just adjusted your exemptions from your job paycheck because you know that you're not going to have to pay those taxes because you know you own a rental property and that those are going to be coming at the end of the year anyway. Okay, so you can adjust those to make those work. So these two, cash flow and tax benefits, is like cash now. It's more immediate type of money coming in. And reserves. The return you earn from reserves tends to also be money right now. Okay? So you can see how all these different things play out. And the, the way that taxes work on all of these is all different, which I'm not going to go into. But you can see how this becomes a really good visual aid for people to understand. Okay, so these two numbers are the ones that I'm going to be getting right away. Those are my cash now numbers. Oh, these are kind of like delayed returns that I'm going to get. Oh, and these are speculative. So I can't really, I have to rely on these in a very different way than I rely on these. And the reserves is kind of like its own little deal, right? It's got its own different risk characteristics. And so we can look at this. Now, I'm going to cover one other thing. And that is that there are different flavors of my return quadrants. When we talk about return quadrants, and I talk about how, many, how much in dollars someone is earning from each of these, like how much the property appreciated in year one in dollars, I call that my return in dollars quadrant, trademarked. And that shows you the dollar amounts you're earning in appreciation, the dollar amounts you're earning in cash flow per year, the dollar amount you're earning from debt pay down, the dollar amount you're earning in tax benefits, and the dollar amount you're earning in reserves, and then the total dollar amount. Okay. So that's like one flavor of my return quadrant. When we talk about this, we talk to people about what they're earning when they are going to buy this rental property, like what the reasonable expectation, the pro forma of what they did, or if we're looking retroactively, it's an actual number, what they actually earned in the last year from each of these four areas or five areas. Okay. So that is return in dollars. Now there's two other flavors that we talk about. Number one is the return on investment. So if we take this dollar amount, the $10,500 in this example, and we divide it by what they had to invest in order to make this property happen, in order to acquire the property, you know, their closing costs, their down payment, the reserves they have, like all the things it took in order to acquire the property. If we take the dollar amount for appreciation and we divide it by that total cost to close, we get their appreciation amount. So in this case, it's about 10.54% that they earned, as this example shows, 
uh, from appreciation. Then we do the same thing for cash flow, which is technically cash on cash return on investment. That's this. That's what this actually is. It is your cash flow divided by what you had to invest in the deal in order to get it, which is the definition of cash on cash. Then we have the return from debt pay down, how much you paid down on the loan divided by how much you invested in order to make the deal happen. And then the tax benefits, how much you got in tax benefits, your cash flow from depreciation divided by the amount you had to do that in order to do the deal. And it shows you that number plus the amount you earned on your reserves. Okay, so this is the percentage you earned divided by the total amount you had to invest in order to do that. And then we give a total return on investment plus six months of reserves, R6. And that is also my return on investment quadrant, which is also trademark. And it shows you the overall return you're earning. Now, if you've looked at my the world's greatest real estate deal analysis spreadsheet, which I think I'm scheduled to cover that in the class here coming up. It's my deal analysis spreadsheet. And I haven't done it already. I think I haven't done it. Um, you, you'll see this quadrant come up all the time because I break down the returns into these components to express to people all the different returns and where they're coming from and what the characteristics are. So you can still see, you know, these are still speculative. These are still more certain. This is cash later. This is cash now. And you can look at what the overall returns are and whether we're shifting the returns to now or we're shifting returns to later, or we're speculating on what the returns are going to be, or we're more certain about these returns. But they're like, you know, the, the reason why these are more certain on the bottom, it's like a pyramid. This is more of your solid foundation of what you expect your returns to be. And then the ones on top are more like guesswork as to, well, we hope property values are going to go up. We hope that we're going to see really good cash flow on these in the future because we really don't know. Okay. And so we talk about these. The third flavor is also a percent, but it's once you've owned the property for like more than a year. Once you've gotten past a year or two, imagine you owned a property for 30 years. Does it matter after year 30 that you bought the property with $15,000 down? No, it doesn't matter anymore at all. What you're really concerned about once you've owned a property for any period of time is what the returns you're earning divided by how much equity you have in your property. Because that really is telling you the returns you're earning by how much you still have invested in the deal. Okay. And I'm, I don't know if I'll do a class for this for the serving real estate investors quadrant or for quadrant serving real estate investors kind of like series of classes, but I do teach this concept all the time to real estate investors. So go watch those classes because you'll hear me talk about this concept of return on equity and return on true net equity, which is your equity after you pay all your costs to get out the equity, closing costs, real estate commissions, capital gains, uh, taxes, and depreciation recapture. Like the amount you think you have in equity is not the same as the amount you really have in equity once you try to access that money in some form or another, okay? So big picture wise, it is super helpful for you to understand that most investors are gonna wanna focus in on this cash flow part of the return, but really what they need help understanding is that cash flow is not everything and that there are better, there are more holistic ways to think about the overall return you're earning on investment properties and that you should teach them that there are more returns. You know, if you plan on using some of my return quadrant things, definitely give me credit and definitely get my permission first. Um, do not just automatically assume that you could just use this stuff. It is trademarked and into my intellectual property. Like we talked before about you creating your own intellectual property. This is my intellectual property. So you know, you're, you can reach out to me and ask me, hey, listen, I'm thinking about doing a presentation. Can I use your quadrants? And I'll ask you to share with me what you're putting out there to make sure that you were doing it right. Because um, I want to make sure we preserve the reputation of this stuff as well. But you should be teaching stuff, not just looking at cash flow, but thinking about this in a much more holistic perspective. All right.
that's all I got for you for today. Hopefully you enjoyed this kind of like almost mini class of me teaching like the return quadrants and how they work. But I want you to understand like the background and why we teach it this way and why you probably should talk to your real estate investors that it's more than just cash flow. Um, it's not just cash flow. There's other things going on here and more involved. All right, that's all I got for you. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye for now.